They said it was forbidden. They said it was dangerous. They were right. Introducing the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual. Dive into the arcane, into the hidden corners of the occult. This isn't just a comic. It's a hidden tome of supernatural power. All original artwork illustrating the groundbreaking research of Juan Ayala, one of the only living homunculologists of our time. Learn how to summon your own homunculus, an enigma wrapped in the fabric of reality itself, their power at your fingertips, their existence, your secret. Explore the mysteries of the Aristotelian, the spiritual, the Paracelsian, the Crowleyan homunculus, ancient knowledge lost to time, now unearthed in this forbidden tale. This comic book holds truths not meant for the light of day, knowledge that was buried, feared, and shunned. Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual, not for the faint of heart, available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today. Salon's description of Atlantis. You have the outer seaport, which would be the, the Atlantic coast of Florida that sees the seas and the rest of the world. Then you have the inner port that was connected by canals and rivers, and that is in the Gulf. Now, when you look at Italy coming down and you see the islands beneath it, you almost get an exact picture of Florida coming down into the Gulf of Mexico, the Straits of Florida, with Cuba and stuff below it. So, Basically, the story goes that before the flood, Florida was the belly button of the Earth, meaning there's a North Pole, there's a South Pole, and the belly button is this center point where it was the perfect place to live. Now, the Garden of Eden comes from the story of Hesperides, the Greek myth of Persephone going down into the underworld. So we see the underworld connection is the Garden of Eden, which here we have one of the most influential man, men in America, went down to Lakeland, Florida, this Bach is probably the same Bach as the Bachstroms from, from Europe. He's Dutch. They came over to America. He knew these stories. So Tarpon Springs, Florida has like a huge Greek population. Why did the Greek move there? Because of the sponge fishing. Well, what if they were like salmon returning to their spawning ground unknowingly? So the Greeks moved to Tarpon Springs and established the Tarpon Springs community. Welcome to the One on One Podcast with your host, Juan Ayala. We're hot here. Hopefully everything sounds good. So we're reporting from the Dancing Elephant. And here we are with Professor Longo and Dr. Longo, a, a regular of the show already. Welcome. I don't even know what camera to look at. Welcome to another episode of the One One Podcast. What are we going to get into today? Because this is, I'm really excited to get to digging at the book shelves to see what you guys got. Because a lot of interesting stuff here. We could do that towards the end too, is go over a couple books. Like know? recommended reading list? 
Uh, maybe, but more just tie some, like we have the Florida, we have the Bach book right here, Edward Bach, Edward Bach, but, um, Which I think. Which is really interesting, I didn't know that he, because I've been there. Yeah. And remember the whole thing that we were talking about was how these magicians, if you will, or whatever you want to call them, individuals that dabble in the arts of i think it's all about manipulation of energy and of actual people because ideas thoughts everything we put out is energy and we know that according to the laws of thermodynamics energy cannot be created nor destroyed it can only be yeah. uh transformed right is that is that mm-hmm. hopefully i'm saying that right transferred transferred right right but then they add uh, by ordinary means so there's like a a a, a, a gray area and there's like by ordinary means so what are the unordinary what are the extraordinary means? You know Bach, what I mean? Bach towers. Yeah. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. the the whole thing with that is with the cathedrals and the bells. I have a friend of mine who has a he's talking to a lady friend in Mexico. Right. She lives in Mexico. And they have the town has this church and they ring the bell every two and a half hours. Hmm. Okay. And she says that it's very annoying, but the energy in that town is chill. Everybody's good. Yeah, mm-hmm. Palm Beach, uh, the town of Palm Beach on the island, they have church bells too that ring, I believe, every hour, two hours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The way I see it is using sound and frequency to literally, and what I was telling you earlier about the way that, because I'm focusing on the way that the light comes in here, the way that light played a role in these cathedrals with the stained glass, I believe that it was some sort of way to initiate a hallucination of some sort because Mm -hmm. the whole thing with Falconelli and the cathedrals is that it was alchemical text within right how this guy's telling a story with the Bach Tower Mm -hmm. the whole thing with that was it was for the lower class of people like a picture book you go in there and you read about the creation myth and all this stuff and you're reading about Mm -hmm. it and I think at the same time what they did is they used these stained glass and the sound and all this resonance in there to give people a divine experience so that way they believed more in a god and they were able to control I, mm-hmm. I think that religion is something that's used to control the masses yeah i think it's a good tool if you use it correctly really i was born and raised pentecostal christian but then you start to see the greed and all that stuff but for somebody who needs guidance in their life who's some sort of npc if you will <laughs> they need some guidelines in order to live life then sure use religion because at the end of the day it's don't be a piece of shit Mm-hmm. What are the Ten Commandments? Don't be a piece of shit, bro. Don't kill your neighbor. Don't, you know, fuck his wife, all this stuff, you know. <laughs> be a good person. So I think religion serves its purpose to a certain extent. But it is a brokered experience. But let's get into this whole Bach Tower thing, which I, uh, I again, I've been there. And now that you're telling me that he's trying to encapsulate the macro of the Garden of Eden into a little mm-hmm. Garden of Eden. Well, to touch on what you were saying about, I don't think it was always control. I think it was an art form, and it was a spiritual experience, a valid one. And the stained glass windows, some people say, oh, were those original? Were were those just cast afterwards to to sort of obscure what they were for? Now, a lot of them, especially like Sacred Heart churches or some of the Jesuit churches, Mm -hmm. they'll have these stained glass... um, mandalas over the front door now what that is is you have you know you at your astral body 
connected by a tether, right? Well, many people believe it hovers above your head. This would be the, the eighth chakra, so to speak. Our square doors cut, clip that, and prevent it from passing through into a, uh, into a building. So these were kind of like dream catchers. That's the way you forget things when you walk into a room. Kind of, yeah. Mm-hmm. You'd walk in, and the door was magnificent, but the door for your soul, for your oversoul, was even grander and check, even, check even better. Check it out the door, yeah. So those are still in a lot of the churches, and I, th- I think they had a hard time finding out, finding a way to use those for bad, because people always still have that magnificent experience of walking into a, a cathedral. Mm-hmm. And the stained glass was used to um, manipulate people's emotions or mm-hmm. ge- their mood. Well, we know that. We have books on that right over here. Color therapy, color you know, our bathroom is green. You've seen that thing that they use in people's eyes to induce a, almost a DMT-like yeah. experience? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the glasses. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, there's also the theory by Rupert Sheldrake. He's a friend of Terrence McKenna. Uh, he believes that early baptisms were a drowning that induced a religious experience. A near-death experience. Yeah. Right. yeah. That they would just hold you there and drown <laughs> you. Just and enough. Then... I, I was actually listening to that on the way here. The Knights Templar, uh, uh, I think, had something like that similar, but they used uh, they used a poison where that's the whole symbolic thing with mm-hmm. the three days where you're out for three days and then he resurrects. Well, it was an initiation, and what it was, they would put you right at the brink of death Mm-hmm. To where you would, it's got to do with the plasma and the frequencies and all that stuff. And right when you're at the edge, right there before you're yeah. ready to go, they pull you right back out. Yeah, it's a DMT trip. It's natural DMT. DMT is produced in the body most at birth and at death. And the in-betweens, <clears throat> when you think you're going to die and time slows down, that is the dream state. Mm-hmm. That's, so like you lucid know, dreaming and yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, because you you're being forced, you're being squeezed out of the material. And for a moment of time, you're lapsing into this dream state where you see your whole life in a, in a moment. Back to this archways, right? right. Uh, these portals, right? Because they, they call them portals and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. That My buddy talks about, uh, shout out to homie Romy, he talks about how crowns were used as some sort of energetic device yeah. to and yeah. the i believe it's at one of the flagler hotels the stained glass that they have i think it's the one in, in st augustine uh one in jacksonville mm-hmm. one the the art guy that made those stained glass they had sent him over to europe or some crazy place to train in the arts of the stained glass and it somebody brought it up on a podcast we did how I think it's Olive Garden sends their <laughs> chefs over to to train somewhere over there where, again, it's it's magic the way that they're doing it. And maybe perhaps it's uh, – you're right. Maybe it's not for control. Where are the breadsticks coming from? We don't we don't know. <laughs> you know? How, how can Saturday. they be unlimited? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And all the energy stuff. can only be right. – they're, uh, Imagine they're, 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 in, they're in the kitchen just warping antimatter yeah. <laughs> into fucking breadsticks. Yeah. Well, that's – giving it to you? No, so the, the, um, the guild of – of the uh, Olive Garden goes back to <laughs> the, uh, but I, I want to the crowns. This is an important thing too. This you'll this will help explain how the chakras are the planets, how stuff like that. Astrology is your body. 
And a king is a king because of his crown, like you were saying. Crown comes from corona. Corona, Latin, comes from the Greek, chronos. Kronos is the Greek name for the planet Saturn and the god Saturn. He's also Set, Seth, Joseph from the Bible. He's all these people. God of death. He's the stepfather, the motherfucker. It's like Joseph. He's <laughs> literally the, fucking your mom. He, yeah, that's why motherfucker is such an insult because you're saying someone's Saturnian. You're saying mm. someone's satanic. Satan is Saturn. Joseph is Satan. Joseph is Satan. Yikes. So, but we're getting to the crown. You just can you repeat Je- that again? That's like really heretical. I want to hear it again. Joseph, <laughs> Father Joseph <laughs> of Jesus, is the same archetype as Saturn, who is Satan. Does wow. that mean? Does that mean he's evil? No, but he's a punisher. He did not have the same good nature that Jesus and Mary did. He was a doubter, so to speak. But um, yeah, because he doubted that she. Yeah, because the exactly. first thing you're going to think, you know, immaculate conception. What are you? The fuck but, you on? But the crown. So Jesus wore a crown of thorns. Mm-hmm. He did not wear it on top of his head. He wore it across the band of his forehead, like you see the elves doing in Lord of the Rings, or like you see the the Hindi on the Hindu people. So that is because a true king, a good king, wears his crown over his third eye, because he is a king. In, under the spirit of Jupiter, who is Jesus, who is all good, all pure. My favorite quote about astrology is, if Jupiter was the only planet in the sky, everyone would live forever and there'd be peace forever. But he's not the only planet in the sky. There's also the other ones that add, you know. um, It's a galactic battle of energies and light. So what happens is you had this, this usurping of the material world by Saturn. Because Saturn is the Saturn and Jupiter are the creator. Who's the creator? Well, it's right in the word. Kronos and his wife Rhea. Mm. They are space and time. Kronos is space. His wife Rhea is area, who is space. You have time and area, so time and space. Kronos and Rhea, his wife. Look it up. And then you have Tor. Tor is Jupiter, or Thor, Thursday, the third eye. Mm. So the creator of the universe is a... And this is the same in the in the Bible. It's a agreement between Jupiter and Saturn. Saturn rules the space and the time, the constrictions of this realm, whereas Jupiter animates everything and brings goodness and life into it. He's the creator, yeah. yeah. But it's still Saturn's world. That's why he's the Lord of this world. Anytime you hear the word Lord in the Bible, you're, they're referring to Saturn. Anytime you see the word Jesus, they're referring to Jupiter. So the Old Testament is a Saturnian document. Oh, okay, I got Which you. is where it's all Lord this, Lord that. Punish them. Kill them. Go rape those people. It's an alchemical text. It's allegorical. Mm-hmm. It's transcendental. It's a literary document, not a literal so, from your point of view, what purpose does it serve then? Why give it to the people? Why did King James go, you know what? Let's, well, King let's James, battle Geneva okay. and all this stuff. So, the King James was the first time that the Bible was translated out of Latin, made available for the common people. The only person that did it before him was Martin Luther, and that started a war and a, a schism, a, a mm-hmm. division between the two churches. The 95 Thesis, was it? 
Now, eventually the Lutherans got brought back under under the fold, and it was kind of a, a proxy, you know, war. It was more, it, it all came back to the Pope's control. But the Church of England, you know, Queen Elizabeth I was a good queen, mm-hmm. a very good queen. She was not evil. She was not a Satanist. The Pope's a Satanist, <laughs> yep. you know. So, and the Pope uh, put out a hit on Queen Elizabeth. Well, that tells you all you need to know right there. She was going against the system. She brought about a renaissance of astrology. She was the fairy queen, wasn't she? Yeah, kind of. Hermeticism. And she actually was the virgin queen. That's what she's known as. But why? Because she didn't want to have children? No. She couldn't have children. That's what people think. But she also had lovers. So she wasn't against having children like that. It was the fact that she knew she was descended from an evil bloodline. And she chose to what? she chose to end the bloodline. She was a tutor. Yeah, she was a tutor, and she, the tutor line pretty much ended with her. She decided. That well, wasn't she a stepsister of Mary Tudor, uh, or half sister? I think. I it think was? she was the the daughter of Mary Tudor, the one that was executed. Was that what? was that Jane? Uh, is that <laughs> I don't know all their names. Yeah, we're not yeah, British. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was but, um, Bloody Mary, and then I could have swore Elizabeth was her half sister. I, th- I mean, I could get beaten this wrong. I don't. I know that that Henry the Eighth mm-hmm. impregnated Elizabeth's mom, mm-hmm. and then executed her. And Elizabeth grew up in seclusion and just happened to become become queen by some technicality later on. But I don't know that yeah, story whatever, very we're well. not going to get lost in the technicality but though. she brought about this renaissance and under her patronage john d began his work shout out to john now d. john d you know obviously he was the first guy to go out and dabble with all this demonology and stuff so it wasn't the catholic interpretation that we have today where everything that's an entity that you can't see is evil he wasn't that naive he knew that there was good entities out there he knew that there was Stuff to be done. Did he get used and manipulated a little by these angels? Well, yeah, he was naive in that sense. But he started the work that Francis Bacon would take on and complete, which was basically the number one, William Shakespeare, is Francis Bacon. Mm -hmm. Number two, Francis Bacon was the final editor of the King James Version Bible. And they were released in the same year, if I'm not mistaken. The, the complete works of Shakespeare. Because remember, up until the time that his complete works were released, he was pretty obscure. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't have known about him in other countries. As soon as they re- released his complete works, it took off. And he became a you know a household name. And that's the same year, if I'm not mistaken, that's the King James Version Bible. Yeah. And I've also heard about the the idea of William Shakespeare having those missing years of his life and Francis Bacon, you know, being in there. But I've heard the Garland brothers that traveled around with John Dee mm-hmm. and Edward Kelly was actually the pseudonym for William Shakespeare. Well, and that's how he knew about the occult. And he mm-hmm. wrote about, you know, all these Faustian-like like Marlowe with all these plays, and mm-hmm. that's how he was trained in the arts because he was at these seances that John D. and Edward Kelly were having. Yeah, I mean, was Francis <clears throat> was Francis Bacon the only 
Shakespeare? Probably not. No. It was also uh, De Vere, Edward De Vere, mm, I believe. Ed, yeah, De Vere, yeah. Um, as well as John Dee. John Dee probably put in motion most of what, what they ended ended up with, mm-hmm. with all the plays. Um, he was a chronologer for the crown, you know? Was that Thunder? What was that? <laughs> I don't know. Sound like thunder, but somebody's it... car, maybe. Jesus, that was a UFO landing. Probably, bro. We're doing some stuff here. You got the chandelier that looks like a Dyson sphere there. That was weird. We did, yeah. We are actually trying to take that chandelier down. We have a nice we came one. with the old place, and we have our great grandmother's crystal chandelier that we plan oh, on putting up. Nice. There. Yeah, I really like it. I mean, I feel smarter being in here. That's fine. Around all this, all these books. We have. At least one person a day, as they're walking out, just look at me and say, I feel so stupid. Like, there's so much to know, and I don't know any of it. You well, know? What was I just telling you when, when you're, before your brother got here? That I wish there was a way where you could read oh, yeah. all these books without actually having to read it, and Manly P. Hall. Download them. Yeah. yeah, Manly P. Hall back then was talking about how he would sleep next to a book and download mm-hmm. the information yeah. what if yeah. bro and i know you're anti-transhumanism and all this stuff but what if our boy elon musk comes on is like oh. hey you know for with the Neuralink, all you gotta do is just pop this usb drive in your ass and you got all the <laughs> books you want bro instantly just boom right there in your mind would you do it sound faustian uploaded <laughs> not, uploaded not yeah. downloaded what's the cat <laughs> That you're going to be part of the hive mind. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is, you know, I, I'm i on my iPad all day. I don't have a phone because I don't want a phone. But I end up just staring at my iPad because I'm learning from it, you know. Or at least what I call what I say is learning. But as much as it's a crutch, and this is like cliche, everyone should know this. Technology has to be a crutch. Mm-hmm. Once you, and you know, glancing at your iPad to learn things is kind of like training wheels. What you're talking about is more of the act of learning is going to be replaced. The act of reading is going to be replaced. You're the, you know, the eye coordination between going through the page and scanning the page. There it goes again. I think that's thunder, bro. That affects. <laughs> that's not thunder. Are they launching rockets? Like we're. So weird. NASA is doing <laughs> that, uh, like the Apollo thing. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Are they launching rockets? Because, uh, I mean, that's the only thing it could be. Yeah. <laughs> but I can't tell if it's just my headphones. You know, if it. Yeah? Let me check the radar. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's about to rain, actually. Yeah. Yeah, we're about to get it. That's fine, though. Yeah, well, it just sound. I think with the headphones on, it makes it sound yeah, really. Yeah, coming through the, yeah. through the mic. So, what were we about? Because you're you're piquing my interest with this whole idea of replacing the learning process. Because me, for one, I, for example, there is a virtual mystery school, a virtual reality mystery school <laughs> that I attend regularly, and uh, the friend is uh, the founder is a friend of mine. I've had him on the podcast, and. That is a way of using technology for what I would consider self-improvement or, or, or 
betterment of yourself or whatever it is. It's not bad. Because there was a, a comment that I saw in well, one of your videos that were like, stop training the AI by going into VR. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> well, okay, so here's the distinction. What What is knowledge? If you're a serial killer and you know a million different ways to kill people, that's knowledge. So knowledge without virtue almost always leads to manipulation and evil. Mm. The problem is that you cannot instill virtue except by one's own you know, experience by one's own up, ups and downs. Using technology to remove those ups and downs or those that those lapses of time where you would have to dedicate yourself is going to instill okay. a very bad relationship with knowledge. Because like I said, knowledge without virtue is almost always evil. Dominators, controllers. The, the Illuminati's smart. Mm -hmm. The New World Order's smart. They're knowledgeable. They know their world history. We don't know shit. Um, the only distinction is virtue. And you have to read something to, you know, to even get close to that virtue. Some would say you can't even learn virtue from the book. That's the that's philosophy. That's what they're arguing for thousands of years. Can you read and learn virtue? That's what they're trying so to do so hard. So is bad, bro? No, not at all. But I think that you need to have those experiences, whether they're mystical or just low points in your life where you, you're you able to absorb what they're trying to tell you, mm. you know, not just catalog all the methods of doing things and knowing everything and knowing names and dates. So reading a book like that, if you could read a book in a second, which probably we're not far off from, mm. I don't think it's going to do any good. Yeah, it'll probably just be words, like you're saying, just words trivia are, knowledge yeah. filling mm -hmm. your head. It'll probably be worse off. Probably. Yeah, mental illness. I think yeah. the more shit you have in your in your mind, <laughs> no, honestly. And people always ask, well, how do I how do I remember all the astrological stuff, or how do I remember all the? Because it's not material knowledge. It's not dense learning that you'd learn from a textbook in school. That information that you're learning from a textbook is dense. Mm -hmm. low vibrational so to speak you have to take that by the handful and cram it into your mind and your body in order to absorb it whereas you talk about these topics and it just flows you don't have to remember anything it's just a, a system of correspondences and harmonies planetary in the case of astrology but that's how most of the higher arts are you know philosophy you're not remembering things and the best philosophers like Apollon apollonius of tiana right behind me he didn't know shit he didn't know anything that's him right there he was uneducated that's that bust i don't know that's apollo but there's no. a there's a book of apollonius oh he's right over here that was the guy that was like uh, almost like a jesus figure right right well he was alive at the same time as jesus he traveled to the east and there's records of him going to China, India, and learning all the things from these masters. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, we don't have any of that information with Jesus. We don't know where he learned anything. We don't know where. We have a couple myths. Yeah, we have a, we have a few books on it. Because uh, they believe from age 17 to age 30, there's no yeah. record of what Jesus was doing. Mm -hmm. So a bunch of these books. And it's common common belief in india and nepal and china and those areas that jesus came over you know right. they could just be saying that to 
sort of assure themselves that they're on top or yeah. whatever, but it is over there. They believe that Jesus went over there, learned from the great masters, and then came back. Yeah, he was an initiate. He was an adept. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what that's mm-hmm. I've I've heard that before, and I think was it Manly Hall talks about how he was a product of I forgot what school the the Eleusinian Mysteries. I think oh, it was yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, he he was right. Yeah, but then you he, know he who, would have been right in the timeline where he could have went. You know who helped establish the Eleusinian Mysteries? Who? Pythagoras. Daddy Pythagoras. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so yeah. technically, Pythagoras would be mm-hmm. well, J- yeah. JC's daddy. He also went to Delphi. Mm-hmm. P- Pythagoras. Yeah. Pytha. Pytha is the name of this, you know, the energy, the, the serpent um, the god. The whatever you want to exactly. call it. Exactly. Yeah. That's like the, the basically the mystical foundation of the, the goddess, the oracle of Delphi. And his name either comes from that or his name inspired that, mm-hmm. you know, so. And that's why I had asked you, like, back, back to the whole learning thing, because we're talking about these great minds. And I asked you one time, like, how many books at a time do you read? <laughs> because I find myself reading, like, five books at a time. and I, it, But the reason I do that is because Usually we do podcast episodes on X subject and we'll stick to that one subject for the entire the entirety of the entire episode. And it's not free flow conversation like this. And I'll have to study the subject and research whatever it is. So I'll read X amount of books on the subject, if it's John D or whatever it may be, for X amount of time until I can write out a presentation. And not only write out a presentation, but also retain some of that information too because it's not just about how you said cramming it all in i like the you ever read francis yates the art of memory no bro i think you would you would love that book that but the whole idea of building a mind palace right the rhetoric this is how people back then this is how a manly p hall could sit there for two hours like this literally and talk about a subject Mm -hmm. and it was Word for word, uh, there was a time where he would hand out lecture notes, and his lecture was almost, you can't ever memorize it word for word, mm-hmm. but you get super, super close. That's like Lincoln. <coughs> Lincoln could all these guys ac- were ac- apparently speak for six, yeah, eight half, hours. Half a day. Unscripted. Just, and yeah. have the people in the audience Captivated. riveted. Not just like, about so, you what, know, though? going back to get drinks and coming back. They were, about what? Well, I don't know. Have you ever seen his quotes about giants? No, you he ever? was a giant. <laughs> he was. He was like six six or yeah. six four at least, and he has that bone structure, like that Cro Magnon bone structure. You know. And he has the top hat, like the big high hat. So yeah. Oh he yeah. Has yeah, like yeah an yeah, elongated long, skull. Elongated skull. <laughs> <laughs> well, he has this quote. Oh, I'm gonna read. No. I'm gonna read this quote. He has a giant quote. He literally addressed the nation. Yeah, he and, said and America is like he a said land that, of giants. He said that ancient race of giants that once inhabited these hills, something like that. Let me look it up. I would believe it. I mean, if he was some sort of descendant from the Nephilim. I well, would, I, I, I think at, at that time they had, because this is like pre-Civil War. Civil War is really when evolution took free, you know, full swing in, in the, you know, the scientific community dinosaurs and evolution was like 1830s up until 1870s mm. is when all this made it into the curriculum mm-hmm. literally but during the civil war they were teaching earth is flat god created humans 30,000 years ago 
that was literally your school education. My favorite version of the flat earth is the Christian topography version. Have you seen that? It's built, no. it's modeled after the tabernacle. No. And the world is actually a big chest. So, no. <laughs> I, ha- I have the quote right here. It's, it's an excerpt from a larger speech. The eyes of that species of extinct giants whose bones fill the mounds of America have gazed on Niagara as ours do now. Abraham Lincoln, 1848. What the fuck, bro? So he, he was the OG podcaster then. He was kind talking <laughs> for, he was the ori- original Joe Rogan. He was talking for hours at a time. Mm-hmm. About what though, bro? Did they did they did they document what he was talking about? I mean, it would mostly be like political, yeah, eth- you know, ethics, because he's a lawyer. It's also. like filibusters, yeah. right? Is that what we're talking about? No, it, this is like the the polar opposite of that. Like I said, his audience was, you know, they loved every word. He would, I think, he would draw in like you know thousands, well, if not tens of, of thousands of rhetoric. That's what these guys are trained in. They're trained well, it's also in... charisma. Well, here's the thing. So. An interest. You ever read *The Crowd* by Gustave Le Bon? No. So he talks about prestige when it comes to the different hierarchies of society, and prestige is this metaphysical thing, almost like a charisma that these rulers emanate and they put out. They do. And when people when people are drawn to somebody, it's because of their prestige, mm-hmm. and this prestige has a metaphysical effect on people mm-hmm. and the way that they look at you and all this stuff. Almost, almost again, like a, I was doing a, a an episode on werewolves, the book of werewolves by Sabine Baron Gould. And he talks about how some werewolves, they would either trick people into seeing what wasn't there. It, you know, you would be a werewolf, but I see you right now as a Dr. Narco Longo, right? Mm-hmm. But behind that, you're probably a werewolf, but the way that you were manipulating energy around you you were portraying a different uh it's all about perspective at the end of the day but this metaphysical thing goes back to this idea that there's this parasitic aspect to people when they are in groups and that's how you see with all these riots and all these things going on how mm-hmm. people act a different way because it unlocks this primitive part of the brain and again it's a parasite and i and i relate that to the whole simulation argument how it is like a virus that infects people and affects reality. And I think that certain people are able to tap into that. Uh, Al-Kindi, which was a famous uh, mathematician, philosopher, Arabic, back in the years 800 or something like that. He talked about, he he inspired John Dee. He talked about how everything was light, right? Everything is a ray of light. Mm-hmm. I, pert- I put out light, it, inter- it interacts with your light, and they it's an alchemical process now the magicians the people who can manipulate that light are the ones that can manipulate reality yeah i don't know uh the former owner of the store is a hungarian metaphysicist and his master was a guy named uh peter dunov but he went by bensa duno Uh, he's bulgarian he's pretty famous he looks like saruman from lord of the rings or like jesus (laughs) looks exactly like him if you look him up and he, in his book, The Master Speaks, had an interesting part. It's like almost a whole chapter on light. And he said that a lot of the Eastern religions have it wrong. They think, oh, my body's a prison. This mm-hmm. world is bad. I need to escape mm-hmm. up. You know, I need to get out of here. Um, it's ascetic. 
you know, they hate themselves. They they punish their bodies. They they mm-hmm. fast. They hurt themselves. Um, what are the ones thought, that self flagellate? What, what is it called? Flagellation. Uh, flagellation. Yeah, flagellation right. with a G. What, uh, what are they called? They have a name. The group. Self flagellators. No, no, no. But the Da Vinci Code. I know. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember what their sect is called. But he just thought that that was so wrong, so off. Mm-hmm. Because, like you said, everything is light. And to him, he thought that if you skip the physical, the material world, which is where light is, to him, light is physical. It is a material. It's what is illuminating everything. Mm-hmm. Then you're skipping the whole point. You know, what's mm-hmm. the point if you can't, you have to at least master the physical first and then move on to the, yes. the mental yeah. or philosophical. And ascetic is acidic. Mm-hmm. Right. It's anti-life. It's life is bad. It's It's almost... Catholicism, the Eastern traditions also play on your guilt. They they just want you feeling guilty. And it even goes past the Christian guilt. Because the Christian guilt is, oh, you've done bad things that you've never told anyone about, and God's going to judge you for them at the end. Whereas the the Eastern guilt is like, just existing (laughs) is evil and sin. And in, and in your past life, you did bad stuff, and you don't even know about it. It's a know. suffering, yeah. It's an eternal, the eternal recurrence. It's mm-hmm. a, it's a, that's the whole Ouroboros yeah. and all this shit. No, yeah. it's another trick. And as Westerners, we need to realize that stuff wasn't made for us. It was made for Easterners who have their own perspective, their own bloodlines, their own genetics, their own nuance, linguistic nuance, and all this stuff. We have valid systems of illumination enlightenment mm-hmm. here in the west whether it's you know egypt is the west whether it's you know hermetic traditions is there the, music the Greek, playing, bro? it's across the street it's oh. it's always always gonna be playing <laughs> it's um, like a bar for pirates and fishermen mm-hmm. Wh- whether it's the um what was i talking about about the the uh, the methods of illumination sorry right, so we have perfectly good spiritual you know, methods, transcendental methods, schools here in the West. Whether it's, you know, Native American, not so much. <laughs> but, uh, but um, you know, whether it's European magic, ceremonial magic, whether it's tropical astrology, which was founded in the West, which is a... Tropical astrology. Tropical astrology, which is the true and only correct astrology. It's system. like astrology with like a little palm tree. Is that why it's tropical? Well, it's tropical <laughs> because it, it uses, it understands geocentrism whereas sidereal astrology is an is an attempt to rewrite history rewrite astrology onto the new false and by sidereal you mean about the other planetary system yes Mm -hmm. where it's trying to rectify the fact that we are just another rock floating around Mm -hmm. and thus we have to adjust for the ages there's no such thing as ages in sidereal astrology basically aries is March 21st, the spring equinox. It's when they blow the, the ram's horn. They also blow it at the end, which is Libra. And e- well, Easter is the spring equinox. It used to be. And today, it's the closest full moon mm-hmm. after Easter, which is astrological. Isn't Easter modeled after a, fr- a fertility? Uh, it's modeled after yeah. a lot of stuff. To, it's kind it of is. a accumulation. They also, they also swapped the Jesus story. They put his death at his birth and his birth at his death. But you know that was a Hellenistic thing though, right? The the switching of the death and the birth date is because they believed that 
that life started at death, where this was how yeah, you're saying you're a right. trial. So yeah. that's a Hellenistic thing where so, they yeah. were swapping. They were because people would be like, "What? What the fuck? This guy died before he was born," and it's because of that because they had a belief that. Dude, uh, how soccer, I think believe Socrates, when he's drinking the poison, or he's like, why are you guys mourning after me? I'm, I'm going to the, I'm going home. You know what I mean? It's this life after death, which I, it, but, but here's the thing. Well, Christianity is a death cult because well, what do we do? We prepare for the afterlife. We're the whole entire time. You're too focused on uh, pleasing <clears throat> the hierarchy and this, this metaphysical omnipotent thing in the sky, whatever it is androgynous i don't care whatever but the the whole thing that you're preparing for the afterlife you're you're too worried about oh i can't i can't what i can't do this x thing that's bad because then i'm not going to go to heaven you know what i mean so they instill fear within you since a very bro i was 12 years old reading the book revelations Reading about how my grandma yeah. would tell me that they would have to cut my head off. They're by gonna have like burning swords, like flaming oh. swords. She's like, they're gonna your cut your head off, off yeah. if you don't, if you're, if you're not part of the rapture. There's gonna be seven years, and the antichrist is gonna rule. It's gonna be great the first three, and then after that, the hell and all this stuff, the locusts and all this. I was twelve years old, bro, mm-hmm. reading about this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they instill, and that's another thing. You you started that off with Hellenic, well we can sort of tie this into the Bach saga. And I don't like, I didn't title my video Bach saga because you might have to bleep this out. Bach saga is one of the most censored things on the internet. Really? And I mean that. One of the most. They stabbed him twice. He was killed by a stabbing. Oh, really? The the old guy, the... Bach, yeah. The the, the (laughs) last Bach family member of the um, Bachstrom line. And we should probably cut that out. But um, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Thirty-eight, thirty-five. But just say um, Finnish mythology, okay? Because it is a keyword that's yeah. Okay, keep keep talking. But whatever. So, Hellenist. That's another thing. Is scaring people into into religion. Hell used to be freezing cold, and light was the good. Light was good. Whereas in the New Testament and the new false Christianity. Lucifer, the light bearer, is evil. And Lucifer rules the rainbow. He rules, that it says this in the Bible, Lucifer is the rainbow. He's the sapphire. He's, so, he's a sapphire. Well, Sounds what like that? a good guy to me. Well, let me explain. Lucifer is Libra. He's the planet Venus. Lucifer is the planet Venus. But he's also Libra, because that is where the sun sets. Mm. And Libra is ruled by the two evil gods of Christianity. Saturn, who's the Lord and the Punisher and, you know, Satan. And then Venus, who is Lucifer, who is the tempter. Because Venus has to do with desires and delights and right, material. Right, we saying that the material world, the that light is manifested. So Yahweh is the, the Saturn. Well, Yahweh is, okay, so there's many interpretations on the Yahweh thing. Yahweh is probably Jupiter, if I had to guess. And why is that? Because Yehovah is Jupiter. From from Yehovah, you get Hob, Hobe, or Hova. From Hova or Hobi, because B and V swap, you get Job mm-hmm. from the Bible. You also get Jove, the Roman name for a man Mediterranean. It wasn't just Roman. The Roman name for Jupiter. So right there you have Jehovah, 
means Jupiter. Just like here in Jupiter, you have the Hobi Indians. Mm-hmm. Hobe Sound. Hobe so Sound, Florida. The same thing, Hobe. That was Hobe. So when they came here, they said, oh, Hobe, Hobe. That's Jupiter. So they named it Jupiter right right north of there. So South. South, or whatever. But then St. Petersburg, same story. St. Petersburg is Jupiter. Peter was the first pope. Why? Because Jesus is also Zeus. And I understand this is confusing. Oh, well, if the, he's that planet, then how is he that planet? It's all about singularity. If you go to Egyptian mythology, you'll see all the gods have Ra at the end. Amun Ra. Like Amun Ra. Yeah. You know, Horus Ra. Well, why is that? It's because, to an extent, all the planets do get their light from the sun. Is it the model that we're given? No, but it's the same light that is a gift from the sun that comes but if you're <coughs> if you're a flat earther i thought space was fake bro <laughs> well what does fake mean does it mean can i've you heard it's a i've talked to mark Sargent and i've talked to oh my wise. god he's the worst of the worst <laughs> they're saying it's a holographic projection the guy bro? they did the netflix yeah, yeah he's he's like the human potato yeah. that <laughs> you know lives in his mom's basement yeah. he's yeah right scratch that guy off the list of he's not even He's disinfo. Well, Ken sure. Wheeler says he, he does a lot of stuff with Santos Panachi. Mm. And he says just by principle that space is not real. It's not a thing because it has no properties. So how can mm-hmm. it be a thing which has nothing? You see what I'm saying? It's, it's kind of semantic, but uh, he sort of proves it with like logical proofs and yeah, yeah. things so like that. The sun is the most unobstructed. All the planets and the stars are pinholes. Little pinholes poked in. Some people say, oh, the firmament. I don't really care whether it's solid or not. I'm never going to go up there. I'm never going to know. It doesn't matter. But the same way that you cannot dig down, you dig down and down and you hit a density that's so dense that nothing can penetrate it. And that's happened dozens of times. What's the furthest they've dug? Seven miles? Eight miles? Yes, it's like seven miles. And the drills break. The diamond drills that are harder than anything. So as you see a tree... The branches go up equally. The roots go down and spread down. That's my model of the universe. That's all I need. Now, we have the luminaries up above. The luminaries are... <clears throat> you have fire and air up in the air. That's why whenever you say God, it's a masculine God, and you always point to the sky. Well, that's God, the Father. That is a masculine God, because he is the causal realm. He is where all causes come from, whether it's the astrology, the stars, or just acts of heaven. The material world and matter is mother. Matter is muter, madre. It's all the same word, all all different cultures. Water is matter. So when God, so when God says, "I separated the waters from the waters," he's not talking about water. He's talking about matter. Liquid was just another word, another way of saying matter. Did you see the the astronaut that they had a CO leak because he was leaking water into his suit? What? Right, yeah. <laughs> That's why I say the right, water they, is above. Mm-hmm. Well, there is. above, so below. Well, I mean, I think in that instance, he was underwater in one of in NASA's was fake. Yes. He's in a pool. That yeah. he was in. He was in. They're, they're, they have a giant underwater. They mm-hmm. test all their shuttles underwater. In this big giant pool. I so saw, he was probably I, I saw there. my buddy. He posted it. I didn't read the whole thing. I'll be honest, but maybe, maybe it was uh, in a pool somewhere, and that's how they said they shot the 
about moon landings too in a pool. Yeah. Well, NASA. I was saying this the other day that NASA is Florida history. Mm-hmm. You know, people forget that when they talk about Florida, that almost all of it was coming out of Florida. Still is coming out of Florida, including mm-hmm. even like SpaceX and stuff. They're launching. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, the Starlink satellites. You can see those from Florida. Mm-hmm. It's pretty pretty trippy stuff. And um, the same thing with. Uh, What's his name? Glenn Curtis. The guy who did, the guy that made Opalaka. So South Florida is, number one, it's where Amelia Earnhardt Mm -hmm. took off. Earhart. Really? Took off from. She took off from Opalaka, Florida, which is this old old Moorish. So Glenn Curtis came down. Opalaka. Don't get me started on Opalaka, man. There's so much. (laughs) Let's talk some Florida. So in Opalaka... You have Glenn Curtis. This is in one of my videos. After this, let's talk about the the Bach Tower. Okay. So Glenn Curtis, did you know that the first ever airboat, like the ones used in Florida, were was invented by Alexander Graham Bell? Really? So he's he had like hundreds of patents. He's he invented like the every, def, he's yeah. like the definition. He's the poster child of inheritors, where mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. these you know these. Pre- predestined world fair types <laughs> yeah world fair type exactly exactly so he yeah he like stole a he, world fair was like a garage of like look at all the shit that i found yeah <laughs> it was and that's how tesla got into the mix but whatever that's they all, they all tie in tesla, together yeah yeah so um bell <clears throat> basically went from um you know phones and and radio and you know receiving audio from a distance stuff like that phone lines and of course bell telephone we went to summer camp on land owned it was once owned by the bell telephone company so they're like you know tycoons that family mm-hmm. all because of this fraudulent invention where he literally not only did someone invent it 20 years before him he he found out someone was going to put the patent in at the, the same office, day yeah. and sent his lawyer there first and probably strong-armed the guy out of yeah. placing the patent because they both placed the patent in the same office on the same day and they went with Bell. So Bell, he had his own share of like controversy, so he kind of needed to go to the back, you know, go backstage for a little. So he enlisted Glenn Curtis, who was just a, a bike mechanic, literally just a bike mechanic, a bike guy, who he, well, he had also worked at Kodak Photography, mm-hmm. and within with no experience whatsoever, within like two weeks of being there, invented two revolutionary methods of like photography and photo um, lenses and things stuff like, like that. that. Yeah, with no experience, he was literally <laughs> like a, a bike mechanic. Now John Saxer is a bike mechanic. We're going to be getting to him too, but um, like mo- when you say bike, you mean motorcycle, right? No, well, that's the thing. He he's credited with helping invent the motorcycle basically he was taking v8 engines and slapping them onto bikes you know i've always said this i've always when i'm riding around on my motorcycle i go i am literally riding around on something that some guy woke up one day is like i really like this motor i want to fucking ride it Mm -hmm. so he put two wheels on it and he's riding it around (laughs) What, what i think what i think the angle is though is that glenn curtis and bell were not innovators they were merely Emulators. Like money changers almost. Middlemen where they take this grand old free invention and find a way to tax it, to make it profitable, to make it chargeable, 
So everything Curtis invented was ran off of a gas engine. At and, first, and this all is the of guy those that, things of Opalaka. That's is, that's the guy that later in life went down to Opalaka when he was like. And he founded it. He founded it, and he built it from the ground for no reason. Like like, hundreds of buildings, like and Moorish architecture, like spires, and and at he was just finished, just about finished, and then a hurricane came and destroyed all of it except for like, well, thirty buildings, but three main buildings, his private mansion, the Opalaka City Hall which is the magnificent one with the spires that you see, and something else. Like the Great Jacksonville Fire? Kind of. Know? Well, he, he, um, yeah, I think he orchestrated the whole thing, and hurricanes are the perfect, perfect storm, so to speak, mm-hmm. to go in and knock stuff down. But Curtis, he got hired by Bell to start doing um, f- planes, and he was a direct... Uh, competitor with the Wright brothers. Wow. With Bell's back. What year are we talking about here? What year is this? Like 1912. I don't know. He came down to Florida. and. But long story short, he, he had a lot of different inventions in uh, like aeronautics and things. Mm-hmm. But then he had a huge scandal with the Smithsonian that's in one of his videos uh, mm-hmm. where this he, he tried to petition the Smithsonian and say, hey, you know, we have these, these a few of these airplanes that are already in a museum as being the world's first airplanes. The Wright brothers are credited by the mm. Smithsonian with being the first ones to ever fly. But I have proof that it wasn't them. It was actually that plane over there. And I forget the guy's names, but he said, you know, I, I know mm. I have proof that that one was capable of flying because it was an earlier plane. It's in the museum. It just wasn't. You know, ready, the, right. Right, the Wright brothers are the controlled opposition. They're yeah. the poster child. And he, what he did... Well, he, no, it's the other way around, but kind of. He we'll, said, we'll okay, he said, I'm going to show you because that plane can fly. And they're like, no, that can't, plane can't fly. It's like an early prototype, basically. Yeah. Uh, the Wright brothers were the first ones to fly. And he said, no, I'll fly it. And they're like, okay. Like, if you can fly the plane, then clearly it was the first one to ever fly because it's functional. Mm-hmm. And what he did is he took the plane, he took the motor out, put in his own motor, which works, so now it's a working plane, and flew the plane. And he edited f- <laughs> more than just yeah. the motor. He literally changed it around. And for like 25 years, uh, whoever, I forgot who built that plane, but he basically got them credit as being the first to fly. It, first w- it, was, it was a member yeah. of the Smithsonian. Yeah, it was like part of history for until like the 50s when, when they and realized that it was all a So they hijacked fraud. it? So, so he hired Glenn Curtis. It was it was like a president or vice president at the Smith, Smithsonian, a high, high up guy. He either invented this plane or had helped. He was friends with the builder. Something, yeah. And he hired Glenn Curtis to under the table to, Tweak, al- to tweak alter, the whole plane to alter this whole plane, it. make it flyable, and to discredit the Wright brothers. And this fraud passed for yeah. years. Yeah, the until... Smithsonian had them credited as the first exactly. in flight for, for quite a while. So the Wright brothers, were they controlled off like in the in the in the grand scheme of things? Like were we flying before? Probably. Did they invent flying? No. But did they get shafted out of their original you know, feet, yes, by Glenn Curtis and the Smithsonian. Wow. And this is like the Smithsonian's, <laughs> it's not their first. And it's Directly not. altering history on purpose. Not like, oh, we're so innocent, we didn't know. 
it's like, hey, like go fix up the plane and fly it, and we'll tell them that that was the first plane, you know. So that so. I don't know. I didn't know about yeah. this. And that's all factual. That's that that's is like real. a real scandal. There's no it's conspiracy not, yeah, theory. There's no. But right after that, where the conspiracy theory starts is right after that. Glenn Curtis was this famed, you know, like Da Vinci almost style, like uh, evil Knievel mixed with Leonardo Da Vinci. <laughs> like he invented with with Bell, he helped invent the first airboat here in Florida with a propeller on the back. But his main uh, call to fame was he went he was in one of the last airship mechanics in the world he was one of the last master airship zeppelin what do they call him what's the third name what's the other one Dig- digital rigidal uh, i don't know dirgible Dir- never heard of that before well, well that's what they call him dirgible or something like that Dorians. but um airships the airships were all powered by steam and unknown electric means. Unknown electric means. Up until Curtis started slapping V8 engines on them. Motors on them. Uh, motors. Gas motors. So it went from free energy exactly. ethereal and, to... And that is why... The standard the, oil. So he his story is insane. His Each one of his in, innovations branches off into these grand conspiracies. Yeah. So, number one, he did that with the Smithsonian. Number two, he did, um, what was I just saying? The airships, the airships were a completely, you know, um, logical form of uh, transportation. It wasn't until they had engines, gas engines slapped onto them that it it became ridiculous. Oh, they have to land and get filled up with gas. Up until that, if they were just getting charged with static electricity from the tops of these buildings, like the Empire State Building, they could just float forever. What's that famous video, I think, where the one's coming down and crashing and blowing up and the Hindenburg. Hindenburg? Yeah. The Hindenburg landed in Opalaka, too. Oh, my God. Oh, I've got another Opalaka is Crestview. It's a little off topic. Okay. Well, hang on. We yeah, we're going to get to that, too, because that, ma- Wait, that so matters. Let, uh, what does Opalaka mean? Is that an indigenous oh, thing? I don't, thing I don't know, but it, I don't know. I so know it seems that. like this is a, a yeah. key figure in a key place i mean it looks yeah. to me like etymologically like high ram abiff high ram above you know mm. you know um manly p hall it's like his big dick oh um, opalaka I, like, I think it's open and locking the door opening and locking wait what are you talking about manly p what like masons and the secret societies Did you they say love, about big dick and manly p hall what are you talking about it might have been a fake name like oh like, yeah like william shakespeare 100 percent which means manly. Bro, H.P. Aleister Crowley. H.P. Harry Potter. Uh, you know, Harry Potter. Helena Blavatsky. H.P. Blavatsky. Mm-hmm. All these guys. Are, yeah, it's a mantle, bro. It's a magical mantle. But, but I think, I, you know, those were like some stretches. Some, and you refer uh, to um, Manly P. Hall's daddy, Manly P. Hall. From yeah, right. right. Well, he is. Manly. <laughs> think about it. Manly P. Hall. Well, they say that he was he was a hermaphrodite. Oh, boy. Well, maybe. I that hadn't heard one, that one. I know that, that he, he knew everything he knew when he was about... 20 25 years uh, old. he was the the pastor of his church Los when Angeles. he was like 16 so or 18 or something let yes yeah absolutely at 18 years old let's let's continue so with here, this yeah, opalaka yeah. shit we then we can this, talk about gotta get this out glenn curtis and the story okay it means wooded hummock homunculus <laughs> hummock with a u um wooded hammock 
Yeah, but it's also supposedly a abbreviation of Opa Tisha Waka Laka. Yeah, so so it is indigenous. But it's what interesting, does that mean, it's interesting that he chose the Opa and the Laka. Yeah. Because that sounds like magical talk it's, to yeah, exactly. Like ab- abracadabra, Opa. Abra melon. You're yeah. like open and locking the door. You know, you open the door and then you lock it. So it could Was be he like, part of uh, Scroll and Key by any chance? I'd, okay, I saw, I've seen, Alexander Graham Bell was, for sure. Scroll and Key? Well, they were Schmishmasons, so to speak. Um, Schmigma, I don't know what that is. Masons. They're Freemasons. Oh. Oh, fuck Tartarian it, Truthers. Shout out Tartarian <laughs> Truthers. Um, but Opalaka, Glenn Curtis, um, was the like understudy of Bell. He's kind of like his henchman. The, the guy that would do all his dirty work and do the inventing for Bell's ideas a lot of the time. And Bell was paying for a lot of this shit. As soon as he had that scandal, I think he stopped getting money and had a you know, oh, I'll do anything. I'll do anything. Mm. And they sent him down to Florida. And what did he do? He opened an airfield. He got straight to work on the airships. There was airships. The most airships in Florida <coughs> were in Opalaka. That was the airship. Um, and in fact, actually, the pl- the plant system, the plant, you know how plant had his trains and stuff. This The plant system of steamboats, trains, it was also the third piece was airships, and they had they had these train stations and they were called line stations. Air it was called like air to sea mm-hmm. line lines, and basically you could steamboat into Florida, catch a train, and catch a uh, airship all in a day, for like one ticket on the plant system. So this was and he was steam plant he had these yeah these steamboats you they don't have boats going up the inland rivers of Florida anymore because they don't they're too heavy Henry too Plant dirty. HP that too yeah so um whatever but back to Opalaka airships which in themselves are Tartarian old world this mystery why why they pop up why they go away so soon. Well, I think they were always here. And Glenn Curtis had a big role with, you know, sealing their fate as being, oh, these laughable, stupid machines that humanity was so foolish for, for trying out. <laughs> but here, let me let me make the next big connection. Glenn Curtis was the first man ever, supposedly, one of the first man ever, probably the first, to drop a bomb from an airplane. He was doing um, demonstrations for the military, and they th- they were using um, planes for you know uh, reconnaissance. Mm-hmm. He was the first person allegedly to say, "Hey, give me a bunch of bombs. I'll go up there and show." And he demonstrated for the generals dropping bombs out of the plane. As soon as he did that, aerial combat becomes a thing. Mm-hmm. And every single fort on the planet becomes obsolete. That is why forts stopped getting built after World War One. You can't sit still. You just get air airstrikes, yeah. you know. So up until Glenn Curtis, star forts were still, you know, all over the place. Yeah. Kind of. I mean they had the rifled cannon. They say that the rifled cannon made them obsolete. But what made all forts of every type obsolete was Glenn Curtis. Dropping a bomb from an airplane. In, in who is f- 
a Florida man. <laughs> he, he make, yeah. That's the most Florida man yeah, shit. Yeah, you can right. he, let's drop. Let's yeah. take these bombs again. Yeah. Let's take this motor. I want to ride this motor. Slap some wheels on it. The motorcycle. Let's uh, take these bombs. You want to fly with them? Yeah, sure, dude. Let's, can we drop them from the airplane? Will they blow up if we drop them from the airplane? That's some Florida man shit right mm-hmm. there, bro. Yeah, I think I don't. He might not have even been a bad person. Like he may have just been an, one of these cronies henchmen that is talented, but he's being manipulated and using all his talents for the wrong reasons, which was primarily getting all of these innovative new methods of transport onto the gas motor system. Rockefeller. The the internal combustion engine, which has had no innovation over the last 100 years. Yeah. And we paid just as much for it as we did then. And the guys who come up with the water-powered engines, always some, they commit suicide with two shots to the back of the head. And that that was plant. Plant was the last person to be using the steam steam engines. He had the last steam engines in Florida. That was in my tree video, too. It's interesting how the steam engines, the last steam engine in Florida was being used to haul the largest bald cypress trees Mm -hmm. in Florida. Why? Because the coal engines were too weak and too small. The steam engine was insanely powerful. It could pull like a four-mile train full of thousands and thousands of pounds of what about what about ethanol what do you think about alcohol so ethanol is that's why prohibition happened because it was never about drinking it the presidents kept drinking yeah the R- wife rockefeller the he's, wife. A t- he's a teetotaler rock john d rockefeller did not drink alcohol whatsoever and he put tons of money behind the teetotaling movement the mm-hmm. the uh, temperance movement and so wait wait wait. So it was on the principle of not drinking, but also underneath it was affecting his business. Yeah. Because there's that quote by Henry Henry Ford says ethanol is the the Model T could take ethanol and gas. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah. No, I didn't. Yeah. You can take vegetable the f- oil. The OG hybrid. Yeah. It takes. It was the OG hybrid. Fermented yeah. ve- vegetable oil. You can literally take yeah. store bought. Which is a problem because anyone can make their own gas. Gas. Which is it's all about taking and diesel. Power away. Yeah. Diesel. So then prohibition, oh, it's illegal for a decade, you know, and then by then gas was so part of, you know, everything of the infrastructure Culture, yeah. and it's impossible to go back, the, you know. The guy that invented the diesel engine said something very similar to that. He said, with minor additions, the diesel engine could be ran off of vegetable oils, um, fats of all mm-hmm. types. There's people Al- who do it. Alcohols of every type. And then even the last, he said, water. Yeah. With minor additions. Minor, they, they can make alcohol which in is jail, ethanol. so anyone can make alcohol. Which is yeah. ethanol. Yeah. So that's why, um, you know, a lot of these uh, kids that drive like Suzuki's and stuff, they run their cars off of vegetable oil. Mm-hmm. It's not the same like clean vegetable oil that I'm saying ideally the world should be going off of, but it's easy. It's It's not you know rocket science yeah it's combustive fuel going in so if we're going to be rockefeller science so rockefeller um yeah and they both retired ford rockefeller edison plant flagler they all retired to florida and put their hands in florida history and and rewrote our history but my whole thing is why florida though because it's okay so that takes us to kind of the bach yeah, tie will tie it into the Bach book, and my last video was Tampa Bay. 
So what was the guy's name? Uh, Curtis. Uh, what Curtis? Glenn Curtis is Glenn the, the Opalaka guy who designed the Moorish yeah, city. Go look up pictures. It's crazy. Or he's got. Well, video we can on. we can slap him on yeah. over mm-hmm. like edit one or two. You know. Actually, LaGuardia Airport in New York City was called Glenn Curtis Airport oh, for shit. a long, long time. I didn't yeah. know that. That's he, what was he was that name? big of a deal. Glenn yeah. Curtis, what? Is it Glenn something Curtis? Glenn Curtis. This is what really got me on to Glenn Curtis. I was looking up Opelika, Florida, and it said Glenn Curtis, the father of Opelika, Florida, and it had him as the fifth most influential man in American yeah. history. I remember I sent you a bunch of stuff on This that. list of uh, most of... Most influential Which, man. Which that's not even a household. I don't even and nobody even hears exactly. about it. It's literally yeah. like Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Edison, and you know Bell, Bell probably, and then and that one even Curtis. Then is so so exactly, yeah. and then Glenn Curtis. And I was like, who the fuck is Glenn <laughs> Curtis? They changed the name of the airport. And I've never heard of him until six months ago. And wow, he did so much stuff. Yeah, yeah. His like Wikipedia I said, is the so airboat long. within a year of being in Florida. He had the airboat design pretty much finalized. And he died in court, didn't he? He died of like Mysteriously. a mysterious, he just died suddenly in court of like a either a heart attack yeah. or they said it was like a gallbladder infection or appendicitis or something. Oh. Just keeled over. And, uh... But yeah. Okay, so back to the, um, to, uh, what's his name? We have Bach, who's the other guy? Okay, John Saxer. Okay. Which Tam- is also a Tampa, bike mechanic. Yeah, who's also a bike mechanic. And is descended from a, a royal line. He's descended from the Merovingians of, of antiquity, of ancient <laughs> Europe. And he comes from the Sax family. Well, the Sax family is the Saxers, the Saxons. They're the, the Anglo-Saxon. Anglo, that's the Anglo-Saxon. Because the, the royal families of Germany took over England. Or the Germanic peoples, Danish and stuff like that, took over England. And today we, you know that the royal family changed their name in World War One because they were fighting the Germans. And their, na- German. their name, yeah. the royal family of, was literally Saxe Gothburg, Gothburg, Saxe Goth, Saxon Goth. Mm-hmm. So that was their last name. The Queen's royal family, up oh, the Queen. She was alive. I don't. Know, when was she born? I don't know. But during that time, the last king before her, his last name was Sax Gothberg. Well, they're lizards, so. Well, they are. uh, Yeah, I mean, they are. Our friend John would be a lizard, too, then. No. This is what I'm saying. The blood, this royal blood of of the evil people, this is what people need to get over. Not all the ancient royals were evil. Not all the magicians were evil. What does evil mean? You go to Afghanistan, you find the people we're fighting against. Do we think they're evil over here? Yeah. If you went and you spent a day with them. They're freedom fighters. You'd yeah. say they're freedom fighters. Well, the, this, well, there might be a piece of shit here, a piece of shit there. Is the, you know, are they the best people on the planet? No. But to, to cast any group of people as just evil automatically is foolish. So, you know, and that's, that's a, it's, a, it's okay to approach it like that because you don't understand it. And you might have, you know, hostility from a, from an ethical point of view or whether you disagree with certain things but to say that a whole group of people is evil because they practice something we don't understand is very naive it's, it's fucking foolish. racist you could say it is racist even if it's not race but 
<laughs> but basically, um, they had. Uh, what are they talking about? So the, the name, yeah, yeah the, so the name Saxons of so, the of the king. Yeah, so the Merovin- the Merovingian line, just like this is what I'm getting at. Um, he's a direct descendant of Saint Bernard de, de Clairvaux, who he's the founder of the Knights Templar. Oh shit! So that's why the Swiss flag is the Templar cross. Is that the guy that died in his sleep, like burning alive? Uh, lightning hit him. No, that was well, the guy no, that they, prosecuted no, they, they the burned. Knights Templar. I don't. I don't think he was alive. The guy that prosecuted the, the Knights Templar, yeah. that he died in his sleep. Wow. He got struck by lightning. Right. Like burned to death or something like that. So the Knights Templar are super interesting, and it ties into this too because Bach is descended from some of the same so, families. So let's get this out of the way because yeah. I've talked about the Knights Templar before. Uh, what What's up with Baphomet, bro? What do you got to say about that? Was that just a sect of the Templars or what? So, number one, magic is a, a system of planetary correspondences. So they worship Jesus. Is anyone angry at them for worshiping Jesus? The Templars? No. No. Well, they're angry because they worshipped someone other than Jesus as well. Mm-hmm. They also worshipped the Black Madonna, who is Venus. The goddess Venus. She's black. Why? Well, Saturn is black, but she is black because she's the earth. She's the fertile earth. Soil, yeah. soil. She's dark. She's she's dark, dark, dark and moist like the earth. Whereas God in the sky, he's fire and air. You can't look at him or it'll burn your eyes out. So you see that, you know. So Saturn is the goat. Mm-hmm. Capric- Saturn rules Capricorn, which is when the sun dies or he's born, so to speak. Because like yeah. you said, winter. And that we were getting to that earlier too with hell. Hell used to be a cold place. Santa is Saturn. It's like Helsinki, right? Is Satan. Exactly. So so hell used to be a cold place. Can you tell me the name of hell in Spanish? Invierno, yeah. We can talked t- about it. You, oh, we already Yeah, on my show, yeah. Sorry, but and winter is just one letter off. And you could make the argument that it's the same word. Exactly. So you had this cross where hell became hot but it used to be cold why because saturn is satan and satan rules the winter his his you know glory time is capricorn which is the dead of winter when the sun is at its weakest that's also when we start our business year because it's all about capricorn's all about business and work and sacrifice and punishment so we're on the punishment system we should be celebrating our our new year on the spring equinox on easter but instead, we we have been duped into a purely business, corporate existence, where you're born and you celebrate your year. Your year renews in the month of business. Therefore, it's like your birth chart. <laughs> Every year is a business year. Yeah. Whereas before, you had the spring equinox was the spiritual, spiritual, you know, rebirth, fertility, all the good stuff. There's all it was all good. Now we celebrate our year in the day of the times of death, where it's everything's cold, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Baphomet, tie, to tie it back into Baphomet. Baphomet is Saturn. So it is evil to worship Saturn as the supreme god. Jupiter is the su- supreme god. He should be. He, That's his rightful throne. He should be. All the good faiths of the world recognize Jupiter as the primary God, the king of the gods, the king of kings. Jupiter is the king of kings. 
sorry, Jesus is the king of kings, Jupiter is the god of gods. So mm. they both have their 12 followers. So is it like the father, the son, and... Well, it is, spirit? because like we said, it's Jupiter and Saturn, father and son. So who's the Holy Spirit? It's the feminine. It's the Venus. That has, that has been removed. Because, well, what you're saying is right. You're right. That's, a, that's the exact same correspondence. But Christianity was overtaken by the Saturnian death cult. What they did was they took out the feminine aspect. Yeah. Which would be the Black Madonna. So mm. the Templars' biggest uh, heresy was that they re-implemented the goddess worship. So the Baphomet is scary, but the Baphomet was not their prime. The Baphomet was the one that they would take their oaths in front of, because you don't take an oath in front of Jesus. You take an oath in front of Saturn, because he's going to hold you to it. Jupiter is going to forgive you. If you give up on the oath the first day, Jesus is going to forgive you right away. So you, you say, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Saturn is... The Old Testament, he wasn't forgiving very he's, much. He that yeah. won't forgive you. So yeah. if, if you want to make a oath, you, die, yeah. you say it to Saturn because he'll hold you to it. So they were committing their oath to Baphomet, which is this very Saturnian, rigid god. You say this, it's going to be done. Now, the, the, Yeah, Venus in there too because it's the black cube. Well, right? the part of Baphomet that, that makes him um, in between female and he's a hermaphrodite too is because they, they implement Mercury in there as well mm. because Mercury was cast out where in, in the Christian tradition, you have the Son, Mercury the Father, is Hermes, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the messenger Herme- God. Yeah, exactly. hermeticism. <clears throat> That's why hermeticism yeah. was so. So this is a re-implementation. The, the Templars were they 100% good? No, they had three main roles: to recover sacred artifacts from the Holy Land, to design and implement Gothic architecture, which that art form has been lost. And then mm. you could make the argument they didn't build anything; they were just keeping it and preserving inheriting but their third was they were the banking caste Uh they were the bankers of the roman catholic empire now that's really where people start to have their their are they good guys or bad guys they started out as good guys if you want me to put it plainly they were good guys (coughs) that were trying to counter the evil that the pope was doing and at first the the pope was resistant they had some strong backers that were also mm-hmm. royal, royal families. And they were the royal families kind of like Kennedy. Kennedy, JFK, is from a royal family. His family isn't the best. They don't have the best history. That's why they died all. He was, <laughs> well, yeah. And Kennedy was hated by both sides, Republican and Democrat, when he was alive. It wasn't until 20 years after that he starts getting celebrated as this, you know, Messiah figure that saved America. Because he was trying martyr, to do what? Yeah. The whole banking thing. There's a uh, banking aspect in there, too, where he was trying to cut off funding to who? Mm-hmm. Was it to Israel or somebody? I mean, I'm not 100% on it, but some Middle yeah. Eastern country. So I think, the was it the invention of modern banking? Possibly. Were the Venetians doing banking before them and had their banking empire already spread throughout Southern Europe? Yes. So I think their their biggest crime was bringing banking to Northern Europe. Where And the whole thing was, the real invention of banking was all these men were going off to the Holy Lands. And they were saying, hey, you're going to leave your family here all alone. All your stuff's going to be ripe for the taking. Someone can just take it. Leave it with us. Leave it with the Templars, the church. 
donate it, you get it back when you come back, which you won't because you're, you're going to die in the Crusades. <laughs> yeah, you're you're going to die in the back, Crusades. Yeah. And yeah, the Crusades. You, some people were gone for 20 years. Some people were gone for... So they said, leave your money with us. We'll take care of it. You'll grow some interest on it. And that was the invention of the Bank. And they gave, they gave out the paper money. This was the some of the mm-hmm. first paper money in your receipt in America. It's your they, receipt. they invented the sorry cash Europe Europe not America cash system. The, the well the in a credit sense credit card system. there was like yeah, oh like, yes they were credit, already in like a, that yeah they were in a feudal system as well so life is pretty terrible. So this <laughs> like yes we can condemn them for those things but we only have our modern lens to look at that through where where banking is purely a control system. There may have been a time where it was a convenience because. Back in the world, they don't have all this digital stuff. You had to haul your wealth around with you wherever you went, or someone could steal it, or they could just kill you and take it right off you. So, you know, it's the same argument they have today. Oh, it's going to be safer with us, and who knows? Where I like, where I like to view them in a good light, is that they re-implemented a lot of this hermetic wisdom that the church was saying was evil. And what they ended up getting burned at the stake for doing was these old initiation rituals, these old hermetic... Were the Knights Templar trying to bring back some sort of hermeticism? Or were they trying to well, number revive one, it? Number one, everyone was pissed off because the Moors had taken the Holy Land and most of Europe right mm-hmm. you know, right around that time, right before that time. And, they were and, going, and, around they were, and then they were going to take they were still in Constantinople. Spain. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's the Crusades that, you know, because they had already had a schism between Eastern and Western Roman Empire, and the West had fallen into the Dark Ages, whereas in Constantinople and Byzantium, they were thriving. Mm-hmm. They still had Plato, they had all the Arab geometry, all the stuff was preserved, the golden buildings, everything was fantastic. Whereas in Western Europe, it was like, you're like, you know, like hoeing a peat field all day. Throwing your shit shit out the window (laughs) onto the street. And so the Pope sent, it was basically a jihad. He said, if you go and fight for, to protect Constantinople and Christendom from, from being taken over by, at that time it was like Mehmed the Conqueror was the one who finally took Constantinople. Uh, He said, if you die in battle, you'll be redeemed in heaven you know and so everyone signed up the first crusade they thought they were gonna have like i don't know like 30 battalions or something they had like three thousand. everyone came they're like let's go we're going to israel yeah. and they got it M- million protect- man army yeah they protected A million man army at least yeah. if not multiple yeah. millions oh, life shit. was so bad in the middle ages when the pope said you go protect the Holy Land and protect Constantinople, you'll be saved. Everyone was like, I'm in, you know. One, it's like an adventure. And then two is, you know, you you can, no matter what you did in your life, you're saved. And they had so many people, too many people almost. They moved too slowly. You know, you had to go all the way across Europe down into the Middle mm-hmm. East. Now, Charlemagne, who kicked, was, re- re- you know, repelling the Moors most, the God, most no? of his life, um, he was an Allen you know a goth and those are the same people that the knights templar were the knights templar were allens and goths now you know a history lesson for that those that don't know and you know keep in mind all of this we're discussing is subject to the same resets that could have possibly been 
going on in the 1800s with ev- evolution and mm-hmm. the heliocentric. So model. even the story that we're having now. So could even be the story is, is could be you know exactly it could be the the filtered version that's gone mm-hmm. through three rewrites if if not ten, <laughs> but regardless, you know that's the story we've been given. That's where we're going off of. Does Fomenko talk about the Knights Templar? I don't know. I'm not huge on Fomenko. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know all this stuff. As soon as I heard that a thousand years of history were folded on, that just op- that made things so clear for me. And they even have that uh, where the Catholic Church, didn't they skip, like, yeah, so 15 the, years or something? So Germany and... Well, there was the Gregorian calendar. Yeah, and the, yeah but in the switch over, they, they, they got had to off. adjust. And, yeah. And in that... They were like... Sm- yeah, they, they ended up losing. I don't know off the top of my head, but it's like... Yeah like seven years or something 15 years it just doesn't exist and that's in another a timeline i know we're kind of bouncing around but that's another thing that's very trippy about the bible is oh well we had people living for thousands of years well when you realize that may not have been a solar year are people trying to come in no it's okay yeah I, you, put, I put a sign up there so. if if you realize it could have been a thousand lunar years well that would make you you know maybe only a hundred years old if you were a thousand years old and you had to divide mm. that by 13 divide divide that thousand year old timeline by 13 you'd get like an 80 year old man thousand years old divided by 13 whatever yeah you know you'd get an 80 year old man so that was like the timeline of biblical times then they switched over and what was the switch over was it god's punishment to man to make him live less well probably like do we live as old as we did before probably not but it was also the switch onto the fiscal year, the business year, which steals the divinity. It, it steals the framework of, yet obscures the divinity of the 12 segmented astrological zodiac. So that is the 12 months of the year. March should be the first year. Sorry, the first month. Should we have 360 days? So that's. Because the thing. Chinese have 360 days. It's a perfect circle, mm-hmm. which makes so much well, more that, sense. Well, that's a solar year. What's, what happened is that you have, there's 360 degrees mm-hmm. of horizon. Mm-hmm. That's 360 degrees. Right. The 364 days fit into that. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So the value is like 364 to 360. Yeah. Where you get the perfect lunar year is, well, there's 13 months. There's 28 days in a month. 13 times 28 is 364. Mm. Makes sense. You know what the Babylonians did? What? They had a 360-day year, and they had a five-day purge. No laws. (laughs) Seriously. Yeah. They had no laws. The king took off his robes. The queen took off her robes and lived amongst... The people, it was a feast. You could kill people. Yeah, like, Saturnalia? Do or anything no? you want. Kind of. And on the fifth day, or I guess the first day of the new year, because it had to be a perfect circle, so they kicked out the five days, said do whatever you want, and then come back into order. So like from chaos back into order. What's and that one saying? K.O., K.O., something or other? But the first day, the king and queen would like ascend the ziggurat, like the big pyramid. Mm-hmm. And they would have ritualistic sex mm-hmm. and give birth to the new year in order. Interesting, isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's like Saturday. Yeah. The ro- it was uh, Saturday was Roman. 
Yeah. Right, it was the Roman uh, where it was the pseudo king, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you could do whatever you give gifts. That's where we have the gift giving, right, right. and the green and the red mm-hmm. is symbolic of Saturn, isn't it? Like, uh, well, or, uh, something yes. like that. Like yes. the, that color, the gold, green, and red, something like that. I, I, I forgot. I've done an episode on it, but the, yeah, I didn't know about that. That's crazy though. That the the because the Babylonians were one of the first people to do astronomy, essentially. Because they, on the top of their cigarettes, they would look at the stars yeah. and stuff like that. And Bach Tower has a huge sundial on the side of it. I don't know if you've been there, but it has a massive so, sundial. And it has astrological symbols all over it. When I, that's what I was looking at in that book. Because when I went there, I didn't focus on the tower. I didn't yeah. focus on the... Right. Because I didn't think anything of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it's a nice looking tower. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like the... The landscape. Uh, the is, landscape. You know, the Olmsted brothers did Bach Tower. So they're like the two brothers who basically invented landscape architecture. They did the White House. They did hmm. Central Park. Oh yeah, oh yeah. The really? Olm- Olmstead brothers. The castles. Two of them. The castles in Central Park. They did Central Park. They did the White House. They did I think Flagler's Mansion. They did every. Oh shit! The who's who? Uh, give them a. I didn't come prepared. I didn't do any research, but Olmstead brothers. They did all of it, and they did Bach Tower. So the same people who did landscape. Architecture of the White House did, did Bach Tower. Dang. Yeah, it's it's a big deal. It is. It's called the Taj yeah, Mahal of I America. Can, I could look it up if you want. So we're looking at the... We can, like, overlay pictures. And I'll take some pictures. Um, the Edward Bach Taj Mahal of America. And it's written about Bach Tower. Bach Tower Gardens in Lakeland, Florida. And there's some illustrations in here. But he has the creation story, the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, uh, etched onto this tower. The story of creation, serpent, Adam, Eve, all the biblical figures. And then he has... And you're not allowed in the tower, by the way. Right. Yeah, why, visit. why do they say that? I don't know. He doesn't want people going in. It's surrounded by a moat, too. Yeah, I saw that. There's koi fish in there. I fed the koi. Mm-hmm. But it's built on what? at the time was believed to be the highest point in Florida. So he was he thought that he was on the tallest point in Florida. Yeah. Today they know that I guess there's like some hill or mountain up in North Florida that's actually taller. But he's in the peninsular Florida. He's on the highest point of peninsular mm-hmm. Florida. So I did the Capitol building too. Capitol building? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, and so the south front of the singing tower was sundial at the base. And the Biltmore. Yeah. Asheville, Central Park, Congress Park. So now Lakeland is not far from, um, it's not that far from Tampa. It's, um, so the door represents the story of creation. Right. It was uh, put in there by a Samuel Yellen, designed and hammered out in Repouse, Repouse, Repouse <laughs> Brass, I don't know how to say yeah. that, by Samuel Yellen. <clears throat> wow, this is trippy, dude. Oh, so, they did um, Flagler's Hotel, too. Oh, nice. In St. Augustine. Oh, well. Yeah. That's all you need to know. And that was their first project. Yeah, the way, yeah right. Or no, no, no. That was the architect's first project. Of course. Yeah. So, this tower, right? Because I'm going to have to go again. It's a little bit of a drive, but this tower, it's got the the stained glass windows at the top of it 
And one of the things that I was telling you about earlier uh, that relates to John D. and Edward Kelly is that light played a, a big role in these buildings and this architecture where it would, again, it's, it's the manipulation of light. I mean, we talked about at the beginning where Edward Kelly, the whole thing with the crystal ball was the light that was coming into it, right? It was almost like like a hologram. But the architecture plays a role into it because Edward Kelly would, his visions would become more powerful. Sometimes he would stand up and not look at the, the globe itself, the, the crystal ball. It would look, it would matter because of his surroundings at the time and the way that the light was coming in. And there's a, I'll show you the article. There's an article written about it. But I think that also plays 100% a big role into the whole thing yeah the way that they're able to bend the light and that was uh heidegger the philosopher had a not a take on that in particular but he was he was battling against dual and here we are after a quick recess can't even see me on this camera but it's all good you can see me over there here we are so i didn't mean to cut you off bro you're all good you were saying something about the mm -hmm. The churches, yeah. That uh, Heidegger... So we, after um, the introduction of dualism, like the philosophy that there's you and your mind and the world and that they're separate, that was, that was never a thing. I don't, I don't know if you know much. This is like philosophy. It's like um, Cartesian philosophy. Yeah, it's Cartesian. Mm -hmm. So Rene Descartes introduced the idea that there's yeah. his mind... And the reason that he did that is because he said, okay, if we need to come up with philosophy, we need a cornerstone to build upon. And the only thing which you can really know or prove the existence of is yourself. So that's why I he, think, therefore, yeah, I, I think therefore I am. So he said, I can always prove myself, but I can't prove anything about the world or that it even exists. And so that created the schism. And ever since then we've had, I mean, that had so many different effects from like materialism and scientism, but it, even destroys the type of thing you're talking about with where the church is is part of you you know like that it can have a profound effect upon you the architecture can can mold you and the light can you know it could, because if you're a monist you think well the church is part of me the light is part of me you see and, it, and we're one and the same and it can really my environment is just an extension of myself so this is feminology it's the study of the experience being true to you so i want to say some sort of gnosis or like a divine experience that only you can prove because it's happening to you right. so it goes back to yeah. this idea of being in these buildings and what we touched on earlier about architects being magicians architects need to predict the future well that's divination because in a hundred years, you got to make sure that this foundation is good mm -hmm. and it's going to hold this building. So you're looking into the future. You're planning for the future. And these architects, they would, and I'm talking about from the Pythagorean point of view, where they would follow certain principles. And if you follow these proportions and ratios according to Pythagoras, which all is numbers, so all is a simulation essentially, because it's a, it's a binary code. That's my personal opinion. Uh, they they would make these buildings in according to a Vitruvian, 
Vitruvius talked about this, how certain rooms have certain effects on people's mentality, the way that the air is circulated. Certain rooms are only meant for certain things. So according to the Pythagorean principles, if you made this building to this ratio, you would encapsulate a higher dimension within the actual shell of the building. So how you're saying you're or they're capturing people's auras when they're coming in through the door, they're chopping off that crown chakra, whatever it is, because it's literally like almost like a what do they call it? a mandala it was like a capsule for the soul in a way. And I think that's what they were doing. They're literally harvesting people's energies in these buildings. Well, that also plays a role. In well, that's the thing. Do you know how speakers work? No. And headphones? No. And earphones? And so... It's magic. Every speaker with a cone, you know, mm-hmm. speakers are cones. Microphones are also cones. Mm-hmm. A microphone is a speaker. They are the exact same mechanism. So when you're talking to a speaker sometimes... That's like why if you know, you like, I play music and you know recording a lot of these techniques you know hidden techniques that only the engineers knows you take a big speaker and use it as a microphone and you can play a guitar into the speaker and if you have because instrument and um instrument cables and speaker cables are double-sided they are one prod on one end is the same as the other so the first, that's why the first telephone looked like a speaker because they were talking into this big like tuba thing because that the speaker, and that's what the old speakers were like, like a horn. So It goes back to cymatics. So you have to understand that you can use that to harvest people's energy and steal it and, and manipulate it, but that's not what they were originally designed for. That's what the lizard people took it over to do. They took it over and they they flipped the use of the technology. So whereas they had, you know, a PA system where they're in their room and they can send messages out from that one room, they flipped it to where now they own all the rooms. Therefore, they own the control room because they own each of these little spouts where this energy comes mm. out of whether it's the star forts or the cathedrals so they have co-opted and hijacked the system and you're right they do use it to harvest you know like the super bowl is like a energy harvesting a ceremony mm-hmm. well it's the same thing it's not inherently bad though it's being used for bad mm. but that thing with the mandala above the door that's a good thing most buildings don't have that. So when you walk in, your oversoul is cut off and it has to stay outside the building. In the church, the church with the cathedral, with the mandala over the doorway, is one of the only buildings where it's designed, you bring your soul with you oh, as you go shit. into the door. That's Damn. the door for the soul. It's like the doggy door for your oversoul. But then they fuck your soul when it's in there. Not originally. It says Not who? originally, but now they do. Kind of, because they're, they're pedophiles, and, and they are. But they also don't know what they're doing That's crazy, with a lot of this bro. shit. So the organ So does, the did my thing. soul go through that little doggy door at the top there? Well, I mean, yeah. I sure hope so. Yeah. She'd probably put a yeah. mondo up there. It's well, my not, soul's waiting for me outside. It's right not now. a black and white thing. It's not every time you walk in a door, your soul stays behind. But the, the correspondence needs to be understood. You're walking into a place of worship. You want to make sure you bring everything with you. Mm-hmm. You want to bring that oversoul. So the buildings, those buildings are designed more for your oversoul 
for your higher self than you. You go in there, it's all stone, you know, the lights affecting your eyes, and like you're saying, you do get this altered state of consciousness. Because remember, it's the un- it was uneducated people. It was the the the, the peasants that were ha- that they were trying to get a hold of. Well, that's that's later. So that's during like the fief, the fiefdom. They don't understand and what's happening. They go, "Wow, this is God." But so. originally, it was there was no peasants at one time. Now, was that was that 150 years ago? Was that 1,500 years ago? I don't know. But the controllers, the corporate system, is only a new, recent, 2,000-year-old thing. It's the uh, age yeah, of Pisces. Mm-hmm. It's the fiscal year. The fiscal. Fiscal. Fis. Pisces. Pescado. Vesca. Pisces. Vesca. Fiscal. It's all the same root word. So fiscal is the financial world. It's We live in a fiscal, purely fiscal calendar. And Liquidity. <laughs> yeah, it's mo- money... Pisces rules finance. That's why it's it's the bulls and the the bears. Well, that's another astrological correspondence. But you have the banks of a river. It's red and green. You have liquidity. You have currency. Current. What else? There's so many others. Currency. But money money is moony. It's water. It's, It's materialized energy, which is what the moon does. That's why silver was the most common type of money because gold is too scarce it corresponds to the sun money is condensed it's you're literally trying to materialize energy and saying you spent this much energy on something i'm going to pay you for this you you know mm-hmm. you trade your corn whatever you're doing a service a good it's a placeholder well the moon is the universal placeholder the, the moon is like it's what makes everything material occur and happen as I was saying before, the sun is unobstructed light. It's a hole. I heard somebody call it a portal today. It is a portal because what's behind it's a pinhole. Because mm-hmm. what's behind it is unobstructed divinity. It's God's face. That's the God from the Bible that you can't look at. Oh, it's so bright. That is the sun. That's why the sun has always been associated with God and the highest God because that is God's highest creation. Why did he put a ball up in the sky? No, that's what God looks like all the time. And we only see him unfiltered through the sun. The moon is the most filtered manifestation of God. It is the most material thing in the sky. Does that mean you can go land on it? No, you can't. (laughs) It's made of selenite. The moon's made of selenite. Yeah, we talked about those. Selenite, pearl, maybe moonstone. But it's made of selenite. And you can tell that because of the way that it, it glimmers. The way that it glows, the way that it almost looks translucent. You don't have selenite on here. Mm, no, but you have, have a, yeah, oh, we, we have that. a bunch over there. Oh, selenite ball. Yeah. Here's the moon. This is the moon. Now there's no craters, and I don't have an explanation for craters. Is it material? Probably. Can you land on it? No. I can promise you that. Now, the moon is the most obstructed face of God with the most layers and the most density. So that's why things come to th- when things come to this world, the moon is the last thing they pass through. Mm. It, like the Ptolemaic world model yep. where the soul enters. Well, Pl- Plato talked about how the the earth is the receiver of the souls, right? And mm-hmm. the solar system has uh, your the soul has to descend 
through all the orbits mm-hmm. of all the planets. Yeah. And the shells. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, he talked about that. So the sun is the first, being the less, the least obstructed, and the moon is the most. So that's why masculine is the moon, and it's matter, it's material, because all material comes from the moon. Because the solar rays are become dense and cool when they hit the moon, and they're cast back onto us as cooling and... Uh, moistening which are the feminine properties the sun is nothing but hot and fire mm. air and fire so you see that clear distinction if this if the moon were purely reflecting the, the sun's light it would also be hot and dry it is not moon shade is colder moon light uh, increases condensation so you get the idea um i forget what we were talking about but let's let's try and tie it back into mr bach so, the secret societies, they know all this stuff about astrology. They know that the gods in the sky aren't gods with beards that judge you. They know that they're planets. Now, behind that planet, is there a higher intelligence that can, you know, have its own indistinguishable qualities? Perhaps. But the way they make themselves known to us is through the planets. The sun is responsible for everything. Right? Life, radiation, electricity, magnetism. Everything comes from the sun. If the sun goes away for a day, everything dies. Everything falls apart. You know, the sun keeps everything alive and in order. The moon, and and science recognizes that. Oh, the sun, oh, everything, oh, you know, all the plant life, everything. Well, the moon, we have the same, you know, um, same role. Where you, well, the moon rules magnetism. The rule... The moon rules the tides, the oceans, the water, the emotions. Oceans, emotions. The moon rules um, lunacy. You know, Mm. on full moons, people go crazy. Stuff like that. Mm. So that's where lunatic comes from. Well, they they know all this stuff. They they weave these little fairy tales out of those stories in the most materialist, foolish version. And they teach us those. And that's okay, because we have to earn our place at the table, right? So we have to learn this for ourselves. Well, people like Edward Bach, people like Flagler, they know a lot of this stuff. Does that mean they're good? No, they use the they use the knowledge for bad, obviously, and self self um, self preservation. You know, it's like uh, me versus everyone else. I don't care about you. Well, literally, I mean, that's what it was. They were yeah. cutthroat. They were businessmen. They well, were in the same town as Bach Tower, too, they have Spook Hill, which we've never been to. Uh-huh. Do you know what Spook Hill is? <laughs> no. Oh, it's like a... Is that the one where the kids push your car up the hill or some shit like that? Yeah, so it's, it's like a hill I have a friend of mine who's been there, but I've never been yeah, there. Yeah, it's Bach the Tower. same city as Bach Tower. Really? And it's like this hill, so it dips all the way down and comes all the way back up, and they say that you can leave your car... Like in neutral right. all the way at the bottom and it'll climb up. Well, people put yeah. baby powder on their bumpers and they say, yeah, it is handprints. Little yeah. hand, yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know that was so close. It's the same town. It's like my, it's like two miles away. Paranoid American, he's been there. He's one of my co hosts mm-hmm. and he said that he's done that. Yeah. Nice. Well, I, mean, uh, I don't think it was here. I think it was in somewhere in California. It's a similar thing. Where really? Yeah. Put it, yeah. So, uh, again, this has to do with we're on the ley lines. Is that tower aligned? Mm-hmm. Have you checked? So I've got a friend, John Carlo, that came in. We're going to be doing a video together 
he he's taken a lot of what I've been saying about Florida and he's putting it into like calculation. He's going and he's checking all these ley lines and he has found that almost all of these sites in Florida correspond to, if not ley lines, correspond to each other as mm-hmm. far as lining up in a row. <clears throat> and the something he told me was the original Coral Castle was on one of these lines. He could, because he moved it the first. He, but he moved it. Mm-hmm. Now for him, it might have been a better spot what if he was trying to get his b- building out of the grid, off the their grid system, and he moved? He's like, oh, I need to move this thing. That's a possibility. But this goes back to what you're saying about skeleton buildings, or or I was using the word phantom. It's like phantom limb, mm-hmm. limb syndrome, yeah. where the masons and the architects believe that a building is not a building. It's a spiritual entity. Mm-hmm. It's a living entity. It just doesn't have a physical form. So the union between man and divine is the building, the erection, like the obelisk, like the phallus. It's all the penis. It gets sexual. The penis, yeah. yeah, It's Mm -hmm. the act of creation, the erection of a building out of stone. And you you build it to inherit this phantom limb. I say like phantom limb syndrome. Like there's a building, you have an arm, you get it cut off. Well, there's a phantom limb, a network. That's still there. Of electromagnetic, you know. And they tap into that. And they can tap into that. And this is the same thing as ley lines. Ley lines are just random points that are, you know, cross sections of these intersection points of these lines. Well, um, it's well, also I want to morphic resonance in plants. Yeah, it's the same sort of thing that that there's already a field there. That that's almost like a plant memory. Mm-hmm. Like the p- plants have specific shapes and forms that they grow into. And it's almost like, how do they know to, to stop there, you know, to grow into this shape and not that shape? And it, there's a theory called morphic resonance that says that there already is a field there. Wow. That there is like a cosmic uh, memory amongst plants of how to grow and when to stop growing and what shape to grow into. And that they just grow into the field that's already there. Which is the same sort of thing. You're building the building that's already... That's fucking crazy. Yeah. So that goes to show that... Um, Time is cyclical, and they know this. They know that that building may have been there a million times before, gotten knocked down, knocked, you know, built back up. That phantom limb, that electromagnetic, you know, whatever, is still there and will always be there and has always been. So our role when you're given a body is to harmonize the physical world with that ethereal imprint. So they, as the good masons, the original ones, the good ones that were building this stuff, obviously we had people come in later that said, oh, yeah, I built that back in, you know, but they didn't. So you have inheritors, you have theft and fraud and stuff like that. But I want to try this, try and tie this back into um, Lakeland, Florida and the Tampa Bay area. As I've been saying in the last two shows, Florida is ruled by Pisces. Mm-hmm. Pisces is fish it's ocean and you can say oh well it's just in the ocean right well no florida was the last state of the continental united states admitted pisces is the last sign of the zodiac the the um the signing of florida's state constitution or whatever it was was in march not only that juan ponce de leon found florida on Easter Sunday, <laughs> which was right around that cusp of Pisces yeah. 
and um, Pisces and Aries. Let's not forget that Florida is shaped like a phallus, too. It's shaped like a phallus. It's also shaped like a fish, with Okeechobee being the eye of the mm. fish. So I would like to see how your friend would tie this into Tarot, but I know for a fact Florida is orientated. I think Florida is the death card, bro. To the sign. Well, that's okay. <laughs> Pisces but why is the is, moon card. But why is, why is Pisces... Sorry, why is Florida the death? I'll tell you. Pisces is the last sign of the zodiac, mm-hmm. meaning, the rebirth, yeah. meaning that if Aries is birth, Pisces must be death. So Pisces is also ruled. I've been saying three planets, and I don't want to overcomplicate people. Pisces is a complicated sign. It's the last sign. Pisces and Scorpio have the most dimension to them because they're water. They're deep. They have such depth. So Saturn, sorry. That's my girlfriend. Yeah. So Pisces is ruled by Neptune, of course, the god of the seas, Jupiter, Venus, and Pluto. Now, there is no Pluto city, which is why I haven't been saying it, but that's also an unseen planet, so you don't have to worry about that guy. Mm -hmm. We have Venus, Neptune, and Jupiter here in Florida. Are you going to find Venus, Neptune, and Jupiter in any other state in America? We have Disney's Pluto. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that too, but the Pluto comes into this story that that I scratched the surface of in the Tampa Bay video. Tampa Bay is allegedly the original Garden of Eden. It is the original Atlantis, the inner seaport of Atlantis in Plato's description, or Salon's description of Atlantis. You have the outer seaport, which would be the the Atlantic coast of Florida that sees the seas and the rest of the world. Then you have the inner port that was connected by canals and rivers, and that is in the inland. So Not inland, but in the Gulf. Now, when you look at Italy coming down, and you see um, the, the islands beneath it, you almost get an exact picture of Florida coming down into the Gulf of Mexico, the Straits of Florida, mm-hmm. with Cuba and stuff below it. So basically the story goes that after the flood, Florida was the belly button. Before the flood, Florida was the belly button of the earth, meaning there's a North Pole, there's a South Pole, and the belly button is this center point where... It was the perfect place to live. Now, the Garden of Eden comes from the story of His- Hesperides, the Greek, um, the Greek myth of Persephone going down into the underworld. So we see the underworld connection is mm-hmm. the Garden of Eden, which here we have one of the most influential man, men in America, went down to Lakeland, Florida. I've never even fucking heard of this guy. He was. He was a... I mean, his magazine was kind of silly, ladies' home journal or whatever, but he was an editor for not... He wrote that, but he was an editor for many different publications. And that's obviously not how... Officially, that's how he made his money, but (laughs) he's from one of these. You can see right here, I'm trying to tie it in dramatically, but on this illustration, you see the Merovingian fleur de lis which is the symbol of the Merovingian bloodline right here hidden. You have the cross. Uh huh. Looks like the Templar cross or the Holy Cross. Then you have the Fleur de Lis. Now the Fleur de Lis at one point was banned by the Pope, but they eventually went back on it. John Saxer uses that same symbol 
and it's the, the Merovingian dynasty of blah, 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 blah. This Bach is probably the same Bach as the Bach drums from, from Europe. He's Dutch. They came over to America. He knew these stories. So Tarpon Springs, Florida is, uh, has like a huge Greek population. Why did the Greek move there? Because of the sponge fishing. Well, what if they were like salmon returning to their spawning ground? Unknowingly. Mm. So the Greeks moved to Tarpon Springs and established the Tarpon Springs community. Now, <coughs> the four names of the rivers of Eden all translate back to Greek, not the Hebrew. Euphrates means dragon, for example, in Greek. Um, so what you have is in the Tampa Bay area. And we this ha- is a, this is inscribed into the tower. Yes, because if if you know you notice. Always the alligator. It's like an alchemical painting. Mm-hmm. Where is it blowing? It's blowing towards Tampa. Mm-hmm. And then you have these things that are pointing places. You know well, what I mean? Well, that's Zeus. That's Jupiter blowing the air, god of the air, the sky. That's <coughs> Poseidon or, mm-hmm. ne- or Neptune. Now, Neptune or Poseidon, Pisces, Poseidon. You see the correspondence. Mm-hmm. Neptune is... Um, yeah, we'll put a picture of this up. Neptune rules Pisces. And what I was trying to say, I think I said in the last show, these sites of mounds, (coughs) mound cities, and these old, you know, crazy native sites that are just unexplained today, they're all plotted according to astrology. They're all plotted. And in Florida, it's all plotted to the sign of Pisces. So thousands of years ago, people knew that Florida has a correspondence to the sign Pisces. Today, the people that named this stuff and named Neptune Beach, Jupiter, Florida, they know this stuff too. So clearly they're feeding, they're drawing from the same Mm -hmm. bank, memory bank, you know, information, secret, hidden teachings, whatever it is. They're both on the same wavelength. The people before knew it was Pisces. The people today know it is, the controllers. So... But I want to tie this back into John Saxer is the man from Tampa Bay that's been saying Tampa is the Garden of Eden. It's the port of Atlantis, the seaport of Atlantis. I think it's the deepest water port in Florida. I could be wrong. But that's where they had these giant arcs coming in, like Noah's Ark. These giant. Well, that's why Flagler wanted to cut across the Everglades. The canal, right. He wanted to, yeah, and that's a whole other story, but... He wanted to cut across so they could have access to a deep sea port. And the next option, they couldn't cut across because they couldn't fill in the Everglades. So the next stop was Key West. Key West, right. So that's why he built that railroad. So the the giveaway is <coughs> John Saxer found all these stone anchors, giant stone anchors, all across the west f- coast of Florida. He's numbered 2,000 of them from Tallahassee to Naples, Florida, or maybe to Key West. Anchors? Stone anchors. So before you had before you had the anchor, mm. which is um, you know relatively new invention of that specifically shaped a- anchor. I believe that's only two hundred, three hundred years old. I could be very wrong. It might be five hundred, but you get the idea. Back in ancient times, there was no s- anchor. You had a big rock with a mm. hole drilled in through it, and these holes. Now, there's nothing special about these rocks, but the holes drilled through them are extraordinary. They all follow the same width 
as if they were machined, like a standardized bit that was drilling 17 and a half inch holes, 14 inch and 17 and a half inch holes through these giant 2,000 pound stone anchors that are just a solid limestone rock. And what they did with these, when they when they would find them, they would take them and put them in parks, put them in parking lots, put them in, <laughs> and they because they had they had no significance to the people that found them. Well, John Saxer, being an e- archaeologist, a Egyptologist, had seen them in the Mediterranean, and he knew they were stone anchors. The only problem is they're ten times larger than any of the stone anchors found anywhere else in the world except for the one at the base of Mount Ararat, which is where Noah landed his ark. They have the, they literally have Noah's anchor. And the Templars went there and etched uh, symbols into I've the anchor. I've seen that. I've seen that. And that's at the base of Mount Ararat. I've seen that. Which yeah. is officially where Noah landed his ark. So th- what they're saying is Noah was just one of these ark ships, and that's the only stone that big found elsewhere in the world. Florida was the base, is what they're saying. And when the poles shifted, the flood came, whatever it was, the deluge, the grand cataclysm that rewrote rewrote America and the world, the globe, what happened was Florida was the home base from Tampa, and they had the inland, Plato also says that Atlantis had a canal, man-made canal, Mm. that traced the entirety of the coastline. Nowhere in the Middle East has that. Nowhere in Eurasia has that. Nowhere in Africa has that. The only place where you'll see a landmass traced, well, the whole eastern coast of America has it, for one, but it's not as consistent. You know, like they say, I-95 goes all the way to, like, Massachusetts, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the intercoastal, goes all the way up to Maine. But it's incomplete. So blah, blah, blah. In Florida, you have almost this complete, preserved Indian boat highway, natural formation, whatever they want to say it is. It is a inland, you know, track of water that is a barrier island, which is precisely the description that Plato gives of, of Atlantis. Number two, you have all the stone anchors. Number three, you have Persephone, and the myth of Garden of Eden comes from the myth of Persephone. Persephone's entrance into the underworld was through a crater. The Middle East does not get sinkholes very often, almost never. Florida, with its aquifer underneath, the river Styx flowing underneath the underworld, Mm -hmm. the underwater river, the underground river, is the Garden of Eden. Why? Because in the, even in the Christian mythology, the Garden of Eden is situated right on top of hell, on top of the underworld. And you can see that in some of these old um, Christian paintings where the devil, like, yes, there's a serpent on the tree and the serpent's kind of the devil, but the devil will be underground underneath the Garden of Eden. And you'll see that all the time. What the fuck? Now, why is that? That's because, and the whole story comes from Greek, where... um the snake on the tree is Laden, the serpent from Greek mythology, Laden. Adam is Atlas, 
and his wife is Persephone, not Persephone. I mean, it would make sense because the Atlas holds what the world exactly on his back. So that would be like the Bermuda Triangle. That's why Florida has no mountains because it's 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 been leveled for uh, you know magical purposes. Purposes. It's a Masonic tracing board, if you will, of mm-hmm. the United mm-hmm. States. Exactly. It's, it's like a checkerboard. It's yeah. like a chessboard. It's the last frontier. Yeah. But it is. They they say that the Garden of Eden was flat. There was no hills. There was who mountains was the one outside. That, there, there was somebody who told me that. I heard I heard a friend of mine say it on another podcast, but I asked him who told him that he. I don't think he told me that that Florida's the best state for manifestation because of the water around it. Yes, I would. I would. I but mean, who the I'm fuck not said that is my is my thing. I'm not a manifester, but I would agree because you have the water here and the spring of life. The fountain of youth was in the Garden of Eden according to Christianity. Well, you also have the four rivers that fed Eden. In Tampa Bay area, you have four rivers. If you want to zoom out on Florida as a whole, you have four major rivers Mm -hmm. coming out of the main natural ports. St. John's. I don't know them. The Kissimmee, the St. John's. Yeah, and the funny thing is that they're all connected uh-huh. to the Everglades. They all flow into the Everglades. Like, these Shingle Creek goes from Orlando all the way down to the Everglades, bro. It's but fucking crazy. Tolkien knew this, too. The swamp is where the underworld crosses into the the world. Really? That and that, motherfucker, that's, why, that's why you see, um, all, like, the Florida bog people. These cultures would come to Florida to bury people, <laughs> certain people, because they know that... The bodies get preserved there forever because it's like the underworld it's you like know that florida's the, the threshold. tallahassee airport has he- headstones on it he- headstones yeah there's people buried in the tallahassee airport in really? the airfield wow. isn't that crazy by the fences there's headstones dang wow it's trippy um <laughs> so i like that idea we need we need to get a hold of this uh, saxer guy bro I, i've got a video coming out on john saxer it's gonna go talk in depth about a lot, a lot of this stuff but, um, we need to get this guy on the podcast. I'm trying. I don't know if he's alive. I've hit him up on YouTube, Instagram, um, emailed him. Haven't heard anything back. He should be like 70, 75. All right, we got to wrap it up. There's a lady. Yeah, let's wrap this up. Right. So, yeah, well, here we are. Uh, we got people trying to come in. So. We've got more to talk about. Yeah, definitely, bro. We're going to do. I was, I'm telling you, bro, it's too much to not. Thanks, Juan. Yeah, for sure. Thank you guys for
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.